What's up, everybody? You're listening to World Your Oyster, and I'm your host, Paula Sanders. And today I am going to try to do my very first unscripted, topic driven solo episode. So bear with me. This could be tragic, but it also could be so profound. And I really hope it's the latter. So today I wanted to speak with you about my dance career, because when I put a poll out there into the Oyster universe, it seemed that it was quite unanimous that all of you really wanted to learn more about this part of my life. And it's so interesting to me because in my adult life, not everybody knows that I actually spent my entire life dancing as a competitive dancer, and then also went on to have a professional dance career until I was 25 years old. It's crazy because dance is and was literally my entire identity for so much of my life. So let's take it back a little bit because I really want to fill you in on this because I think it's so important for you to get to know me. I also really want to emphasize the fact that my years spent in the dance studio and out there in the professional dance world are 100% the reason why I am the person that I am today. It is the reason why I am the leader that I am, why I am the employee that I am, why I am the boss that I am, why I am the mentor that I am. Because of the discipline, because of the confidence it instilled in me, it really has led me on this path to move forward in my adult life as kind of the best version of myself. You know, I really feel that It allows me to be a really badass businesswoman, a great boss, a great employee. I work really hard and I really throw myself into everything. I am a super passionate person because I had a passion career for such a long time. So let's talk about it because why not? You guys are interested in it. And it really is an interesting part of my life. So we'll go all the way back again to Long Island like we did a few weeks ago. My parents are actually dance studio owners. They have owned and operated dance studios for over 40 years. So with that being said, I have always danced. Dance is all I have ever known. But, you know, that also came with me being the dance teacher and the dance studio owner's daughter, which is a wonderful blessing. Don't get me wrong, but there was kind of like pros and cons to that, which I will I will get into. Before I decided to join my father's dance company, I spent a lot of time with him at dance competitions because that's what he was doing. So I watched him and his team winning all of these awards and having all of this fun. And, you know, I think ultimately what I saw as a young kid was these students that he had really forging this incredible relationship with him due to, you know, spending so much time together in the dance studio. And I think ultimately I really craved that. I think that I wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be a part of my dad's universe in that way. And I wanted to have that bond with him. And I was a little bit behind, if I'm being honest with you, you know, when you join a dance competition, typically that means you're taking far more classes than your typical recreational dancer. Basically, you know, any free hour that you have in the dance studio. And I was completely unflexible and not very graceful. If I'm being honest with you, like 
my splits were about 12 inches from the ground. And I literally have these like insane memories of sitting down, doing my homework as like, you know, a kid in elementary school in my splits while my legs were like shaking. Like it was insane. But I refused to make a fool out of my father. I I wanted to make him proud. And I really wanted him to you know, want me to be there, even though I know he wanted me to be there, but I wanted him to be proud that I was a part of his dance company. So I worked my little patootie off, like, you know, and I was very uncoordinated. I was like walking same arm as same leg, which like, if you've watched a dancer, it's really funky looking. And finally I got my splits down to the ground and things started to click. You know, I started to understand my body a bit more. I started to grow into my body more. I was able to control things better. And I would say by the time that I was about 13 years old, I was a really solid dancer. I was, I think, spending like 40 hours a week in the dance school. I was starting to now attend like national dance competitions and national dance conventions. And I was having the time of my life, truly. However, at this time, when I start to take things more seriously, I think, you know, this is when things start to become a little bit more challenging for me, right? My teachers, my dance teachers expect more from me. My father certainly expects more from me. And he's tough. You know, my dad, not in a bad way, but he really always wanted the best for us dancers and anyone that was on his dance team. He wanted for us to perform the best, to be the best, to look the best. You know, so that came with a lot of insecurities for me naturally, you know, like, At a young age, I had this obsession with my weight and with my body and with my face. And, you know, it developed like, I won't call it an eating disorder, but, you know, I didn't eat much for, you know, many years of my life because I needed to look a certain way in my costumes. And you'll see this kind of resurfaces in the story later in my life. But outside of that, everything that happened over those formative years while I was in the dance studio, I wish I knew back then that those would be some of the best days of my life, truly. The sisterhood that I was able to have with all of these girls that I was spending time with in the dance studio, traveling together, working really hard together towards a common goal, getting to experience incredible things. Like, I got to do the coolest shit before I was even 13 years old. I think I was in sixth grade. I was on Regis and Kathy Lee, with Paula Abdul. (laughs) I'll say that again. I performed with Paula Abdul on Regis and Kathy Lee. That's how many years ago, RIP Regis, before I was even 13 years old. Okay. I'll give you a little bit of the story. Paula Abdul back in the day actually had a national dance competition and my troupe won that year. And she was going on Regis and Kathy Lee to, I guess, promote the competition or something. And she asked for us to be on the show with her, which was obviously such a huge deal. So we practiced, practiced, practiced. We made it perfect. And it's a day that I, to this day, will never forget. She came into the green room. Obviously, my name is Paula as well. So it was like a big deal for me to meet her. Um, She came in. She signed autographs for us and we performed and it was this incredible life experience that I got to have as a young kid. And I think that that's also what like really gave me the bug to keep going as well. But with that being said, it was also really fun. I want to say like around the time I was in middle school or like the early days of high school, I start to, you know, want to be social and to hang out with my friends a little bit more. So that does start to like get in the way of things a little bit. However, I still remained like highly focused on my goal. 
I wanted to be a professional dancer and I was going to do anything that I could to make sure that I get there. So I was performing as part of this dance company, going to competitions where we were being judged by a panel of judges that, you know, I had no idea who they were or where they were coming from or why their opinion held so much weight to me, you know, but it did. And I think that by the time that I graduated high school, I had had a really complex relationship with dance. I also had no idea who I was outside of the dance studio. I had never experienced anything else in my life aside from that. So although my goal for most of my life was to be a professional dancer, by the time I turned 18, I kind of had kissed that dream goodbye just because I was burnt out. I did also fall in love, you know, first love, that'll do that to you. <laughs> and the idea was for me to like move into the city and start auditioning, but I was young. And to be honest with you, like I had no business moving into New York City. So my mom absolutely put the kibosh on that. Um, and she made me go to college, which I will say I am so grateful for. So thank you, mom. I know you're listening. Um, and I know I've thanked you before, but I think my life would be really different if I didn't have my college education. And if I didn't have that time to grow up, I talked about my last solo episode. I said I was not a good student. So I had to work really hard to get my grades into a place to get into a good college to go for my uh, bachelor's degree. So I spent two and a half years at home, not dancing at all. Basically, you know, I'm teaching a couple classes at my parents' dance schools, but I'm not doing anything for myself. I'm choreographing a little bit here and there, but. Um, you know, other than that, I am kind of really just like focused on my studies for the first time in my life, which is, um, you know, was interesting for me. And another dream of mine that I always had as a kid was just to, to live here, you know, like that's all I ever wanted was to live in this big, beautiful city. So I was able to make it happen. I got into FIT the Fashion Institute of Technology, if you're not familiar. And they actually had a recreational dance team. Now, what I mean by recreational dance team is that they did not go to like uh, collegiate level competitions. There was basically just a showcase. We met once a week or twice a week. We had some rehearsals and we did a showcase. Like, that's it. And I was like, wait a minute. I could join this team and just dance for no other reason aside from to please myself. Sign me up. So believe it or not, it wasn't until I was 21 years old, after spending like 18 years in my dance school, that I finally got to dance for me, for nobody else but me. And I fell in love with it again. And I'm so happy that I did because I then get to spend the next four years of my life really pursuing my passion and my dream again. So while I'm at FIT that summer, all of the girls on that squad were going to audition for the Nick City Dancers, which is the professional dance team for the NBA team, the New York Knicks. And it's funny because I remember <laughs> talking to the girls and I was like, I don't want to audition for that team. Like, I'm a real dancer. I don't even really know how to do hip hop. Like, it's not my thing, not my jam, not my vibe. Like, I worked too hard in my life to go be shaking my ass out on the center of the court in Madison Square Garden. 
<laughs> but what does your girl end up doing? Shaking her ass in the center court of Madison Square Garden. So let me kind of run you through what that process was like because auditioning for the Nick City Dancers is like the craziest experience in the world. I would say about 900 girls around that time. I was on the team in 2009 until 2011. I would say about 900 of New York's most talented, beautiful women audition for that team. Somehow, by the skin of my teeth, I end up making this team. And that's also another crazy story because I was the fan vote. So let me explain to you what that is. So I think there's like 20 spots on the team or 23 spots or something like that. And back during this time, they used to save one spot for one dancer that would essentially get like voted in by the people. So I happened to be that girl, which was like crazy because they even do like a team release party and they announced the team. And like, there's this whole awkward thing where I had to like do a dance and fight for my spot with this other girl. And it was just like so dramatic and honestly, not a great experience, especially when all the rest of my friends who are still my friends today, love you guys, shout out. They were all like so happy and able to celebrate like, you know, their life was about to change and they were gonna be Nick City dancers. Like I still had like a week to wait to learn if I was gonna be a part of this team. But granted, I, I did make it. But I spent a lot of my first season on that team, really feeling like the underdog because, you know, I wasn't selected to be a part of that team by my coach or by, you know, the powers that be at MSG. I was somebody that ultimately really got voted in and it was a little bit of a struggle for me. And if I'm being honest with you, like the girls on that team, the most wonderful people, like I will say there was absolutely no animosity between any of us. We all got along so well. We were such great friends but there was so much pressure from the top. So what should have been this beautiful and incredible experience was actually a time in my life where I was completely unhealthy and completely insecure. And honestly, I felt like crap most of the times because of this unrealistic expectation that they had of us to maintain these really, really small figures. Like at that time, I was expected to be about 105 pounds not saying that they weighed us. They did not weigh us. So I'm not trying to start any rumors there, but you knew when you were looking a little fluffy in your uniform because you would be, you know, getting spoken to not into your eyes, but into your belly button, which, you know, really feels like crap when you're 22 years old and you're already insecure about everything as it is. And now you're like, you've got 60,000 people looking at you and you've got these like bosses that are expecting you to kind of look in this certain way. And it's, it's really hard. And, you know, it did rob a little bit of the joy out of dancing for the Knicks for me. So I spent two seasons dancing for the Knicks and I did that all while I was actually going to college, which crazy, right? Um, I ended up graduating in December of my second season. This is where it kind of gets crazy. So just as I kind of graduated, I actually got put on weight probation while I was dancing for the Knicks. And weight probation is this thing where they just basically don't allow you to perform at the games uh, because you are not the weight that they want you to be. So as you can imagine, that was incredibly horrible, like for me to go through. And I felt like I got gut punched and I was so devastated and even more insecure than I already was about my weight. Like I said, it was about 105 pounds. So 
kind of crazy. Maybe it was 107 around that time. And I was doing everything that I could to be thin. I was like not eating. I was basically like so malnourished to a point that I would literally wake up and there I would sleep eat. So there would be like crumbs all over my bed when I would wake up in the morning because I would get, I would be so hungry. I would get up in my sleep, go on top of my fridge, grab the, uh, like whatever cereal was there and eat it while I was sleeping because my body was so hungry. I was like addicted to laxatives. I was smoking cigarettes, disgusting. Like anything that was going to stop me from eating, and to make me appear looking thin, I was doing. And, um, you know, obviously it wasn't working. So around that time, an angel of a friend actually gave me a call and was like, hey, Paula, I, I have this job actually down in Miami. I think that you should come audition for it. It's a Latin award show called Premio Lo Nuestro probably saying that wrong, which is like the Latin Teen Choice Awards. And it was to dance for this artist named Prince Royce, like this young bachata artist who was like the Justin Bieber of, uh, you know, Univision. <laughs> I don't know. And, you know, because I wasn't, I obviously was done with college and I wasn't able to perform at the games. I was like, okay, sure. I'll come down. I'll audition. And then this other serendipitous moment happens. I get there. She's like, oh, come meet the choreographers with me the day before the audition. And it turns out that these choreographers, the wife actually was a dance partner of my father's and she had known him from when they were kids back dancing on Long Island. So it was safe to say that I had the job in the bag <laughs> after that point, but that's not the important part of the story. Uh, get the job and it's about a two week, I think it's a two week job. So I'm down in Miami and I am enjoying this incredible experience. I feel incredibly seen. Uh, the song actually that I was dancing to for that performance was called Corazón Sin Cara. And basically it means like a heart without a face. And the song was all about, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like, if you're skinny or fat or this or that. I love you and you're beautiful to me. And it came at a point in my life where I was feeling so low and I was so discouraged. I hated dance when I got down to Miami. And by the time I left that job, I loved dance again. And I had the most amazing experience working with this choreographer, Keith Young, Keith and Sharon, if you're listening, thank you. That was so fun. <laughs> you know, you really, you bought the life back into me when I really needed it. And, you know, performing at this Teen Choice Awards or whatever it was, was very cool. Obviously, like super fun experience. It's exactly what you would think. It's like when you watch the VMA, it's like pyrotechnics, lights, all the things. And I remember getting on the plane, coming back from that trip. And I was just so gutted that I had to go back to the Knicks. And I knew that I was still going to be on weight probation because I definitely didn't lose any weight while I was down in Miami dancing with these beautiful, full-bodied Latina women you know, and I, I cried. I sat there on that plane and I just cried. And I got a text message from the choreographer. And he said, Paula, this kid is thinking about going on tour. If it all pans out, would you be interested? And I just was like, yes, say less, you know, I'm down to work on whatever with you because he was like, you know, king to me at that point. And a few weeks goes by, negotiation, negotiation, negotiation. I decide I am going to leave. I think I had like a month left on my contract with the Knicks and I am going to go on tour with this bachata artist. And <laughs> that is another whole whirlwind of an experience. 
you know, I, I had no idea what was going on. I'm like 22 years old at this point. Didn't speak any Spanish, despite being a Latina woman. I don't speak any Spanish. Um, hardly knew how to dance bachata. So please don't look up any of the videos and judge me because I, I will admit I wasn't good. But this was like a mixed tour. So, you know, we were doing like hip hop and lyrical and all the other things. So it was very minimal in the bachata. So be easy on me there. And, and it was crazy, you know, like we did the whole tour bus thing. We did the tour bus through the United States. That was not for me. Absolutely hated that. Those little coffin beds. Like I just couldn't do it. Your girl was sleeping out with the security guard in the front. Like I couldn't do the coffin bed thing. You know, we traveled to uh, Guatemala, Nicaragua, all over Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. Did we go to Puerto Rico? I don't know. We were everywhere. I was basically, I was gone for six months, but it was a wild time of my life. Like I hardly even remember it, but I mean, I was definitely having a blast. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> but when I came back from that tour, I had to have a real honest conversation with myself because the tour life was not for me. I'm just gonna put it out there. Like I'm a bougie bitch and I've been a bougie bitch my whole life. So taking these early flights and staying in these so-so accommodations and like not really even being able to see See anything while I was traveling, I was like, this is not for me. And as a commercial dancer, which was really, you know, that was what I was. I wasn't, I'm not going to be a ballerina, you know, like I can't be on Broadway. I can't sing. La, 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 la. Although maybe I can sing. I could have sang. I could have been on Broadway. The name on everybody's. Okay. I'm going to stop now. But you know, I was really focused on, you know, being a commercial dancer at that time. And I realized that the jobs available to those commercial dancers really were just tours, music videos, industrials, and like gig work. And I had done that. I did the tour and just, you know, despite it wasn't like Beyonce or Britney Spears, I knew that it wasn't really going to get that much better than what I did. So I think I stuck it out for another year or two. I did a couple of music videos and some gigs and things. I actually, oh my God, this is like so embarrassing. I actually worked for Melissa Gorga from the Housewives of New Jersey <laughs> when she was uh, anything for a dollar, guys. Like, listen, times were tough. Um, I mean, actually, she's like an amazing person, though, by the way. Very cool. Very real. Her and her husband are actually like legit human beings. But when she was doing her musical career and she had that song, On Display, On Display, On Display, each and every day, every day. Okay, so I did the choreography for her tour for that. And I also choreographed her music video for her second single. Uh, I don't think it was a chart topper, but it was like, I just want to dance, dance, dance. Like, I don't know, you guys can Google it. Like, <laughs> again, not the best choreography, but I was doing the best that I could at the time. <laughs> so I did all of that. And then, you know, I think ultimately I was about to turn like, 25 and, you know, I needed health insurance and I had to have a real long think, like, do I want to go home and help my parents with their dance studios? And my parents have like a dance empire back on Long Island. And, you know, I think for me, I always knew, and not that I don't have respect for their business. I have nothing but the utmost respect for the businesses that they run. They were able to give me a beautiful life as a kid, you know, not just like 
in the studio, but like I also never wanted or needed for anything. I also think that what they are able to give back to their communities is such a beautiful gift. I just knew that that wasn't for me either. Like I knew that I wasn't put on this earth to teach dance or to own those dance studios. I just, I I always knew it. So I had to figure it out. I had to kind of throw myself into something. You know, at this point in my life, my parents were definitely not supporting me anymore and kind of took a leap of faith. And I stopped everything that I knew. I stopped dancing, but I felt ready. I felt really, really ready. I was finally at a place in my life where I felt that I did most of the things that I wanted to do, even though like my father would argue with you and he would say, you left in the prime of your career. And it's true. I did. I didn't have anything left in me. I didn't have any passion left. When your passion career starts to feel like a job and you're not looking forward to doing it anymore and it's making you feel bad, like I was feeling bad. Like I was an okay dancer, but like everyone at that point was getting so good. And I just like, I couldn't stack up and I wasn't okay with being like, so, so, and I'm not that kind of person, you know, like I, I want to be, or at least try to be the best in everything that I do. And I knew it was time to tap out. Like I'm just a realistic person, you know, like I got lucky. I did as much as I could. It was fabulous. And it was time to go. And, you know, that's the start of my real professional story when I decide I'm just going to end it all. I walk into an Equinox, which at the time of my life was basically the only luxury in life that I could afford. And I ask them if I can sell memberships for them. And the rest is history. I've been, you know, in the luxury membership space for almost 11 years now. And not that I think that I've been put on this earth to sell memberships either, but I think that I have been put on this earth to connect with people. And I'm so glad that what I do every single day, I am able to be with people, to listen to their stories, to connect with them, to bond with them. Because that's a huge part of you know, what I do in my real professional life, which I'm not going to tell you about, and what I do here on World's Your Oyster podcast. And I really feel that all of the things that I did leading up to this very moment have prepared me for this. And I am still a showgirl at heart, (laughs) which is why I am, you know, here with you guys today. And I hope that this message and this episode is helpful for you if you are somebody that is at a crossroads in their life or in their career and you are maybe struggling to take the leap of faith to believe in yourself that there is something else out there for you. And my message to you is to just go for it. Like the worst thing that you could do is fail, but the best thing that you can do is you can find out exactly who you're supposed to be. And if I didn't stop dancing or if I took the easy route out and I just went back home to Long Island and helped my parents with their dance studios, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't have the jobs that I've had and the experiences that I had. I wouldn't have the people in my life that I have today. It's not to say that it's better. It's just different. And I'm grateful that I took the leap. And I'm so grateful that I spent all of those years at my dance school 
with my dad as my coach, making me work my ass off (laughs) to be the not ordinary, but extraordinary woman that I am today. And I use a lot of the skills that got me through those difficult moments and the great moments every day in my life. And this was my first time sharing in this way. So I don't know if we like this format. If we don't, just let me know. I'll never do it again. But if you love it, let me know because it's uh, it's honestly, this is like cathartic for me. This is like therapy, girl. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to World's Your Oyster. I'm so excited that you're here and I cannot wait to continue growing on this journey with you. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope that you'll subscribe here, wherever it is that you might be listening. And why don't you go ahead and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube at World's Your Oyster Podcast. We also have an awesome newsletter, so I hope that you'll visit us there at www.worldyouroysterpodcast and hit subscribe as soon as you get to our website. Don't forget, we'll see you next Friday. Bye!